Have you lost weight only to gain it right back after returning to your routine? Did your diet work for someone else but not you? Rockin' That ID Life helps you understand your genetic makeup to find a lifestyle that fits your needs. Together, you and RockinThatIDLife.com can focus on your health and meet your goals today. That's RockinThatIDLife.com. Center Ice Brewery is a proud sponsor of Let's Go Blues Radio. If you haven't heard, Center Ice Brewery beer is now exclusively available at beer stores around town. So make sure you pick some up on your next milk and eggs run. That's Center Ice Brewery. Please drink responsibly. This is Eddie Garcia from the Fox Sports Radio Network and co-host of the Puck Podcast. And you're listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. He's not going to play for us. There's just something about that last name is not going to make the NHL. It seems like a name that is not conducive to play in the NHL. Um, <laughs> that made the most, the most shallow analysis ever. Talking about Tarasenko real quick. There's been talk about a giant chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I think that chip has gotten bigger now. Can his shoulder handle it, though? If that's really the question. To finally see that happen was, uh, I mean, that was one of the fantastic moments of, of my life when, when that final buzzer went in Boston and when I get to get down to the ice and I was able to hoist the Stanley Cup uh, when I was standing on the ice. That was a, a very, very special moment. You know, he would say to me after we'd have a, a beer, he'd say, well, Joe, he said, you really embarrassed yourself tonight. <laughs> that was Dan, and I said, uh, okay. We'll see what uh, what memories uh, Phil Grubauer has from round four. <laughs> Man, I want to punch that guy in the face. Hey, Blues fans. I like to consider myself a friend of the show. This is TSN analyst and former Blues netminder Jamie McLennan, and here's Kurt, Bill, and Jeff on Let's Go Blues Radio. This is Let's Go Blues Radio, and I'm your host, Jeff Ponder. As you can tell if you're watching the video, I'm all by my lonesome, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we are entering episode 26 of season 10. This is the fully vaccinated, often imitated, but never duplicated. We are the Rush Hour Renegades. Did you get that reference? The original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast. Support for Let's Go Blues Radio was brought to you in part by RockinThatIDLife.com, the home of getting yourself where you want to be physically, and by CenterIceBrewery.com, St. Louis's wonderfully crafted hockey-themed beer found at local grocery stores and liquor stores in the St. Louis area. This is franchise episode number 344 of all time. I have some special guests for today's episode, so no Kurt, no Bill, but some awesome guests. Uh, that includes Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic, Jeremy Gover, a couple Jeremys, uh, formerly a locker room reporter for the Nashville Predators, and Drew Mendel, host of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, which covers the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, don't forget to find us on every social media platform, which can be searched via AskJeeves.com. Uh, so this this episode, it's it's kind of funny. Um, why I'm alone, why uh, you're not seeing Kurt and Bill. Uh, I was brutally sick uh, on Tuesday. Um, flu, non-COVID, and it just it kicked my ass. It knocked me back. And uh, bad fever, bad body aches, and uh, that lasted into Wednesday morning. And uh, at some point Wednesday, uh, about 8.30 in the morning, Kurt had messaged both Bill and I, and said, hey, uh, I'm sick too, or, well, he just said he was sick, you know, I was sick, 
uh, can you guys handle the show tonight? And Bill instantly responded, of course, and then the conversation veered somewhere else, and uh, I woke up, again, I was in bed, I woke up at like, I don't know, 11 o'clock on Wednesday, um, felt a lot better, so yeah, fast forward to Wednesday night, we're doing the live show, and Bill and I are kind of messaging each other, like, it's funny because he's thinking he's messaging me about why I'm not getting the show started, and I'm sitting there laughing because I'm thinking, well, where the hell is Kurt? Why isn't Kurt doing this? Because I had not even paid attention to what he said. So we ended up uh, basically finding out that, yeah, like after about 10 minutes of messaging each other, oh, Bill, you're talking to me. I'm the one supposed to be running the show. I didn't set up an outline. I didn't set up the show at all. Long story short, well, it's already been a long story. Uh, we ended up saying, okay, we got to scrap this because lack of communication Two of us are sick. Um, I was having crazy fever dreams, not kidding. Um, and I think that for whatever reason, that message just completely either slipped my mind or I never read it. Whatever. Uh, so here we are. I told the guys, take the week off. My bad. I will handle getting the show together. I think we did pretty good. We got some pretty awesome guests for today. So um, this is going to premiere a little later than usual on Friday, but... Um, it's a weekend primer. You're going to like what we have to talk about. So we've got the athletic uh, Jeremy Rutherford talking about the trade deadline. And we also have uh, Jeremy Gover, a uh, Nashville Predators reporter, who will be talking about the Blues and Predators game coming up on Saturday afternoon. And then Sunday afternoon, the Blues play the Jets. So we're talking to Drew Mendel, who covers the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, kind of your weekend primer episode for some Central Division matchups with some uh, NHL trade deadline sprinkled in with our friend Jeremy Rutherford. And make sure you tune in and stay with Jeremy uh, in that uh, interview because I almost made a crazy prediction about this last Blues game. Uh, so real quick, I'll mention that. Blues beat the Rangers Thursday night 6-2. to two. Robert Thomas, two big goals. Ivan Barbashev, O'Reilly, Wallman, and of course Ron, who's just been on fire lately uh, with Huso in that. Blues looked great all night. Um, and just a, a great win. So this was something we were going to preview. We would have done a live show, but that didn't happen. So here we are. We're talking about uh, the, the big win. Um, and keep that in mind when you're listening to the Rutherford interview later. Uh, I basically asked him, what's wrong with the Blues? Uh, and that was after the terrible swing in New York and then the, uh, the loss the other night as well in uh, Scott Trade Center. So against the Senators, so it was a very relevant question at the time. But now you're probably thinking they played pretty well in that last game. So keep that in mind. These are these are pre-recorded interviews, folks. Um, so Kurt and Bill are going to Nashville for the Predators game on Saturday. So uh, should be interesting to hear what they have to say next week when we return live. Um, that'll be awesome. I was supposed to go with them. Uh, you listen to the show. You've heard the conversations. Just couldn't work out for me. But Kurt and Bill will be there, so if you are going, make sure you uh, let them know, and I'm sure they'd love to meet up with uh, some other Blues fans there and uh, talk some Blues hockey. Um, before we get into uh, talking to our friend Jeremy Rutherford, who's first up, uh, I do want to go ahead and just quickly say to my co-hosts, my bad this week, guys. Uh, you guys are great. You do a wonderful job, and uh, I, I apologize to you, and I apologize to the listeners for the mishap. Um, hopefully I'm making up for it with this show. Cause like I said, we got some good stuff coming. Uh, so I will stop, uh, talking endlessly 
and uh, let you hear from our friends over at rockinthatidlife.com. You don't live your life like the guy you see at the gym powerlifting seven days a week. You also don't live it like the cycling class instructor or the vegan who gets her steps every day. So why go to the vitamin store and try the same stuff they're using and hope it meets your needs? Newsflash, it doesn't. RockinThatIDLife.com is here to help you better understand how you respond to food and exercise. Their supplements are developed to make sure you're using quality products you can trust to achieve the results that are meaningful to you is your goal to improve overall energy achieve deeper sleep lose or gain weight the answer to all of those options rocking that id life can help our friend dustin at rocking that id life.com is here to help you do life better and achieve your goals not someone else's get started today by visiting rocking that id life.com or emailing dustin at rocking that id life at gmail.com and tell them let's go blues radio sent you to receive 10 percent off your order that's rocking that id Life.com and start your betterment journey today. And we're back with Jeremy Rutherford, friend of the show of The Athletic. Uh, obviously, you know him from The Athletic, but I think most people know him as a friend of Let's Go Blues Radio, first and foremost. Jeremy, uh, how you doing? Thank you very much for joining the show. Doing well, yeah, thanks. No, definitely a friend of the show. You guys are uh, friends, and uh, I do, I want to tell you to start out here, I uh, appreciate all the support at The Athletic. Um, you know, and with the books, too, you know, you're always a, a big supporter of the 100 Things Blues book and the Bernie Federico autobiography. And I know you've come out to a couple of the, the events, so I really, really do appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's great stuff. I, you know, it's funny, we had a, a so one of our sponsors is uh, Center Ice Brewery, and unfortunately, they just closed their tap room. Yeah. But, but um, we had a, a listener ask us once, they sent me a private message and said, hey, what's a, you know, I'm coming in from Arkansas, what's a great spot? to catch a blues game. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you know what I'm going to tell you? And he's like, no, I thought that was just a sponsor thing. And I'm like, no, we only support people that we actually want to support. Like, we're not just going to have somebody sponsor the show that, that we don't trust or we don't like, you know, like when we plug stuff, it's because we truly believe in either the item, the product, the person, whatever it is. So I include you in that, Jeremy. We, uh, we all, We've all read the books, and we all love what you've done so far, and, and love your work with The Athletic, obviously. Cool. I'll send you a royalty check. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I've been waiting for that for a couple of years now, so let's get that started. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, first thing I need to ask you, and, and I want to uh, prelude this. This is We're recording this before the Blues play the New York Rangers uh, Thursday night, March 10th. So if the Blues come out and win 8-1 and you're wondering why I asked this question, you know why. Uh, so I've got to start off, Jeremy, with what is up with the Blues? What's going on? Yeah, wow, if they win 8-1 eight, eight to tonight, what a prediction uh, by you and what a, what a performance by them. That would be something. Shesterkin uh, must have uh, had a couple seizures in that if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, or didn't play the game. And, and, yeah. Uh, they had the backup back in there. Uh, you know, what, what's going on with the Blues? It's a really tough question. You know, first and foremost, you got to get the cliches out of the way. Uh, the first one being it's an 82-game season. You're going to have some lulls. Uh, I think the players have kind of repeated that the past couple games. Uh, but I think when you watch the game, and, and I know you watch the games closely, uh, there's just no puck support. There's no togetherness. Uh, you know, guys that I've watched make literally 1,000 passes out of the zone or some for some reason or 
sending backhanded, you know, blind passes right onto the tape of uh, the forwards of the other team, and and it's in the back of the net. And so to me, first and foremost, I mean, I'm not one to, you know, point straight to effort or compete level because, you know, that's another area where it kind of isn't always there. And and, uh, I think with this last stretch, we've seen compete level at, at some times, but the execution still isn't there. So I really want to focus on the execution. It's not there, and I think that's what's leading to everything. You know, everything starts in the D zone. If you're not getting the puck out of the uh, zone and, and you're not getting up ice, you're not going to score goals. And if you're not feeling good about your your offense, it doesn't matter if you're on the power play, you're not going to score goals. And they're not getting, you know, they're not playing hard enough where they're uh, generating penalties, getting power plays. And, uh, and being able to score that way. So to me, that's where it all goes back to. Do you, uh, do you subscribe to the, the catch-up bottle theory that, you know, it's kind of like you have one good game, you score one big goal, and then it's just going to start flowing and things are going to start working? Or do you think it's going to take a little more effort than something like that? I suppose it can. I mean, if you had 10 instances of teams playing like the Blues are right now, I mean, you could probably look at five examples of, uh, of that theory and five examples of you need to string some games together where you're really playing well to get out of it. I think, you know, it's probably a case by case, uh, scenario. Um, you know, if the blues, like you said, win eight to one against the uh, New York Rangers, you know, I could see something like that kind of getting them out of their funk and all of a sudden they're back to the team that, that we're used to seeing. Uh, but to me, what I've watched here is, is just like fundamentally flawed hockey. And so, wow, if, if they can somehow flip the switch and, one game and, and all of a sudden play like they were, you know, during big stretches this season, Jeff, then, uh, you know, that's pretty impressive to me. And, you know, you just don't see that too often. So uh, I still think it's a good team. I still think they're a playoff team. You know, obviously there are some question marks, a couple that may or may not be addressed at the trade deadline. We'll have to wait another uh, 10 days or so to, to find that out. Um, but I think in the meantime, they just need to, to get back to playing their type of hockey and the thing is they're not close they're not they're not close to it so whether it can happen in one game or three games uh i do think uh it's going to take a pretty monumental effort to, to get back to that level so uh you mentioned the trade deadline coming up that's a a, a big topic of, on blues fans minds um you know we've we've been kind of talking on the show about how we'd like to see them get that big defenseman that they could i know you've mentioned it on uh on twitter yourself along with other uh, Blues pundits, but names like Ben Chariot, uh, Jacob Chikrin, Mark Giordano, even a Scott Mayfield have been thrown out there. Um, lots of names swirling kind of surrounding the Blues. Um, is is any of that with merit? Anything that you've heard? Well, Jeff, I think what happens every t- trade deadline is you, you find out who's potentially available and it starts with the unrestricted free agents, the pending guys, pending UFAs. And then you got situations like you have in Arizona where Jacob Trickard is uh, said to be available, even though he's got term left on his contract. And so every trade deadline, you have those two, three, four, five names that everybody is recycling, and, and myself included. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of that, but it's for a reason. I mean, those are the guys who are available. And then, of course, you know, if, if you have a number of teams interested in that group of guys, then the price is going to go up. And we sit here for a couple weeks and talk about whether it's worth it to, to pay that price. You know, in the meantime, you have Doug Armstrong, who actually does this for a living, and he has a lot more information on who's available, who's not available, 
Um, so beyond those four or five names that we just mentioned, you know, there, there's other guys, uh, you know, whether it be a Justin Braun or whether it be a, a Ryan Graves, um, you know, you could see a situation where Doug Armstrong pulls trigger on a, on a move like that potentially. I don't think anybody saw the Marco Scandella signing uh, with, or trade rather when the Blues traded uh, to get him. So I think that, uh, you know, those are the names. I think that the Blues do have interest in uh, Ben Sherratt. I think that uh, they're one of eight or ten teams, according to my colleague here, LeBron. Uh, the price could be a first-round pick. It could be an A prospect. Uh, are the Blues willing to pay for that? Is, is this the year? You know, do they think they're just one player? Questions and, and things that we're all wondering and writing about. Uh, we're just going to have to see how things play out. The one thing that I always stress, I always stress when I'm having these kinds of conversations, especially around the trade deadline, is how are we supposed to know what's going to happen when Doug Armstrong doesn't even know what's going to happen? Like we could be sitting at a table with him right now, having a beer, and and he could, you know, have his hand to the fire, and we say, uh, you know, so are you going to get Sherrod? You know, he can tell you, hey, listen, we've talked 62 times to Montreal, and. <laughs> You know, we feel like we're fairly close on something, but there's seven, eight other teams that are also making those phone calls. So, you know, that's what makes this time very enjoyable and, and you know, gives us stuff to write about. So, uh, you know, I, I think everyone will agree that a defenseman is probably what's uh, what's the Blues are maybe looking at, what Doug Armstrong's mostly looking at. But the name Claude Giroux has come up quite a bit lately, and a lot of people think he's going to the Avalanche. There's been talks the Blues are interested, and you know, the cap situation, let's put that aside, but do you think the Blues actually do have any interest in making a, a kind of a big splash and going and getting a Claude Giroux if they can make the money work? So every time I say something is not going to happen, it usually does happen. So when I say <laughs> this, uh, you can go out and get your Claude Giroux Blues jersey. All right. Uh, I, 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 just, I just don't see it. I, I don't, you know, you got the cap for one thing. Um, but, but secondly, you know, I, I understand that Doug Armstrong is thinking at a different level than the rest of us. And, you know, after, let's say he makes that move and he gets Giroux and then he has a press conference to explain why they got him. You know, he can say, hey, look, do we have some shortcomings on defense? Yeah, but we just went and got one of the best uh, two-way guys, face-off guys. He's going to help our offense. It's going to push Barbashev and so-and-so down to the fourth line. It's going to make our fourth line better. And he could explain it. We'd sit there and say, wow, you know, the, te- the team is better. Uh, but to me... You know, you go into that first round, second round, and the same defensive problems that we've seen all year still exist. And, you know, yeah, you know, Drew might be helping them, and you might be uh, scoring some goals and winning some face-offs, but, you know, the puck's in the back of the net, and you, you had a chance to fix your D, and you didn't do it. So, to me, hey, it could happen. I never say never with these situations. I'm aware of the report. I'm aware of you know, people talking about it the past couple weeks. Uh, but, to me, I try to look at it at face value and, and see what makes sense. And when you're talking about dollar in, dollar out on any deal the Blues make, I don't see how they do that and then limp into the playoffs with this beat. Um, hang on a second. Let me finish my order from my new Blues Claude Giroux jersey. All right, here we go. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. That's kind of been the conversation on the show. And something else that, that uh, has been talked about in the Blues circles is uh, the goaltending situation. We've seen uh, Jordan Bennington kind of – come back to at least to the level we expect him to play at. Billy Huso's obviously had a unbelievable season. Uh, even though he's regressed slightly in the last couple games, he's still played great. Um, but uh, he's a UFA, or I'm sorry, yeah, he's a UFA coming up. 
Um, a lot of uh, a lot of people are are thinking that he's going to get moved. He could possibly get traded. Um, I, personally, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, what do you see happening uh, with the future of the Blues and Billy Huso? I see him staying a blue for the rest of the season. Um, you know, just covering Doug Armstrong for so many years, you know, he has said on a number of occasions, you're not losing him for nothing if he leaves an unrestricted free agency this summer. You're getting two months of him down the strip. Man. Right. Need more on this roster. I'm not saying he's the MVP or he's the, the player on the roster. What I'm saying is... In t- guy who could potentially step in there and, and uh, you know, play goal for you. And so, you know, could you get something for him? Yeah, I suppose. Uh, you know, I know Edmonton needs a goaltender, and I was asked a question the other day by the Edmonton writer at the Athletic with, uh, with the Blues trade Huso for a first-round pick. I mean, I suppose, and maybe you flip that first-round pick for a bench rot, now you've helped your D, and now you're going to ride Jordan Bennington into the playoffs. But what if Bennington, you know, just doesn't find it and I know he's played better lately but what if he's not that guy and so um, I think Doug Armstrong has to be looking at this situation first and foremost like they need two goalies mm. Billy Huso has been really good this year and so I think they hang on to him and, and secondly you know I'll take it one step further I know it doesn't seem you know likely that he's going to be resigned like why would he do that as an unrestricted free agent when he knows that Jordan Bennington's got the big contract but I just would not put it past Doug Armstrong to look at that goalie situation and say, look, even if it costs me $3 million for Billy Huso and the goaltending is going to be, uh, what, $9 million moving forward, uh, you know, it, it doesn't pay off to have a quality guy like Huso backing up George Bennington for the next year or two. So I'm not saying that signing is going to happen. I'm just saying I think Doug Armstrong is thinking more along the lines of how do I keep Billy Huso as opposed to how do I trade him at the deadline. I 100% agree with you. I think uh, the the fact that people think he's just going to go sign somewhere for $8 million, that's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, teams, a lot of teams in the league already have their goaltending figured out. Uh, and they, you know, uh, they're not looking to blow a bunch of money on a guy who's had, let's face it, one good season so far. Um, so, it, you know, obviously the accolades leading up to the NHL have been great, but kind of rough last year. Great year this year. Um, I think 100% you are. Uh, you hit the nail on the head there, Jeremy, if if I say so myself. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And I think a lot of people probably think that way. Uh, you know, I just, you always look at things from, would I be kicking myself if? And I think Doug Armstrong, if he's playing that question in his mind, you know, he's into the first round and let's just say Jordan Bennington's given up a few and, you know, Billy Huso's in Edmonton you know, playing well, if they make the playoffs, uh, you know, then is he kicking himself? Heck yeah, he's kicking himself. So, you know, does the uh, package, whatever you could get for Billy Duso, outweigh the help you're going to get from him having him on your roster? You know, I, I think that you're, uh, you got a better situation with him on your team. So my last uh, question, I wanted to make it a little more personal about you, Jeremy. Um, I know that uh, you and guys like Lou and, and everybody else in the in the press box have been pretty excited that in-person interviews are back uh, with the players. So what does that mean for you? Uh, you know, I know, for example, I think you said, uh, even on our show maybe, that you never even really met Mike Hoffman when he was a Blue because of last season. So 
Um, you know, and maybe that might have been Lou that said that. But either way, still very exciting news. And, and what does that mean for your job and, and how much, uh, well, I guess different does it make your position with the athletic? Yeah, I think the other day at the UBS Arena, New York Islanders' new home, was the first time I ever stood in the same room with Tory Group. I think that's <laughs> the first time uh, that's ever happened. You know, he, I might have been there you know, once or twice when they lifted the Zoom uh, briefly earlier this season. But anyway, uh, the point being that, yeah, it's it's dramatically different. I understand that, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter to listeners, readers, uh, what the access is. I totally get that. Um, but, you know, for the person who's trying to put together the best content possible, um, you know, we've been doing the Zoom for two years. And you're talking, as everybody knows, about uh, staring at your computer and Tori Krug's on the other side of the screen and he's got lights in his face and has no idea who he's talking to. And, you know, if you ask him a decent question, he might not get a decent response just because for five minutes and move on. But when you're in the press conference room and you're making eye contact with the players, Craig Ruby included, and asking questions, I really do believe it, it leads to more thoughtful answers where they respect you for being there, they respect you for, you know, the good question, and, and they want to honor it with uh, giving you a good answer. So to me, uh, I can already tell reading the coverage, seeing the interviews on TV, so on and so forth, that this feels more like what everybody is used to. And, and honestly, I think the, the players, they'll... We do uh, occupy a lot of their time, and it's... Uh, but this is the way to go, and I'm glad that we're finally at a point where uh, we can have these face-to-face interviews. Yeah, uh, I agree. Now, Jeremy, one more for you. When are you getting back in the podcast world, man? We need you. Yeah, no, uh, so we had the We Went Blues podcast, and I think what The Athletic has done is uh, we've shifted a little bit. So there still are some podcasts at The Athletic, but... Uh, what they really are focusing on now are the live rooms, and I've done a couple of those. I might have another one uh, tomorrow. And, and while the podcasts are great, and you know, how can I compete with uh, Let's Go Blues, right? And I agree. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think uh, these these live rooms are fun, and for people who aren't familiar with them, you know, just five seconds of context here is, uh, you know, I get on the phone and I, I dial up my app. And uh, I tell people to click on the link, and all of a sudden there's 50, 60, 70 people who were on this live audio room. And uh, I have the ability to say, you know, hey, Jeff, you're on the stage. What's your question? And I hit, uh, you know, I hit Jeff. And, and so you're able to, to come on and ask your question. And then I, we answer it and uh, move on to the next person and try to answer as many as we can. So basically, it's like being like a sports open line, just like <laughs> Uh, a phone call Q&A for however long we do it, generally about 45 minutes. So so that's been fun. And the biggest thing, you know, I'll wrap up with this, Jeff, is uh, engagement. That's that's the biggest thing. Like, uh, I think with the podcast, I did have fun with it. Um, but, you know, you didn't have that interaction with the listener. And, and I know you guys do, especially with your guests. And that just makes it better. So to me, to be able to uh, answer doesn't have to be just about the X's and O's, what's going on with the Blues, what's happening at the trade deadline. You know, they can ask anything. Why'd you write this story? Why did you think this feature would be a good one? You know, what's your relationship like with these people, these players? So uh, I think that's been a fun part of these live rooms, and hopefully they can catch on a little bit. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so speaking of the athletic, I don't know if you uh, 
have any uh, any idea of any of the deals going on right now, but um, I'll go ahead and speak to the athletic. It's something I've I've subscribed to. I know Kurt and Bill uh, of the show do as well. Uh, for at least three or four years now, we've been uh, members and um, great content from you. You mentioned a couple of your colleagues, but great stuff from all around the league and all around the sports world. Um, if people are interested in signing up for the athletic, how do they do it? Yeah, just go to athletic.com and, and you're right. If you're a new subscriber, you have to go to your uh, desktop computer. You have to go to the web. You can't access it on the app, uh, but uh, you can subscribe right now. They have a special going. Uh, we just had the New York Times uh, purchase uh, the athletic. And so right now we have a special that's uh, $1 per month for six months. And uh, as far as I know, that's going to continue for for a bit. So uh, log on to theathletic.com, find a story that you like, click on it, and it'll ask you if you want to subscribe. And you can get that special promo deal going on right now at The Athletic. And I do appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of news coming up the next uh, 10 days or so with the trade deadline. Uh, but then we're going to get into uh, the end of the regular season and end of the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully, Jeff, you can attest to it. Uh, you, you try to come at things from a different angle. We're not trying to tell you, you know, that the Blues won 4-3 to three or 8-1 against the Rangers. Uh, you watch the game. Every room, every house you walk into, there's a huge TV that everybody's watching. And uh, I think people here in St. Louis especially, uh, they know their hockey. And so there's not too much more I can tell you about what happened in the game. But what I can do is kind of tell you about the trends and the people behind the game and, you know, what uh, some of these players are thinking about a play that they made. And, and so that's where we try to make our mark with that type of coverage. And, again, if you've uh, subscribed in the last two years, like Jeremy just said, um, make sure that you're checking out now because now in-person interviews are back. So it's a little more personable. Uh, like Jeremy said, things are – a little easier when you're talking face-to-face. So if, if you've subscribed in the last two years, you've seen some great content, but you're about to see a lot more great stuff coming from Jeremy and his colleagues. So I definitely recommend you check out The Athletic. Uh, Jeremy, as far as you go, uh, anything on social media or uh, anything else you'd like to let our listeners know how they can find you? Yeah, you can go to uh, Twitter is at uh, JP Rutherford and uh, try to tweet the practice updates as much as possible. They're not at practice every day just because uh, I like to stay home and work on bigger stories uh, that we just talked about for the athletic. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to have a brain cramp here. I uh, started uh, Instagram probably a year or so ago, and I don't even know what my uh, <laughs> my handle is. Um, so I might have to look that one up and we'll have to tweet it out or something, Jeff, but I have tried to do more behind the scenes with the Instagram, just maybe things you see or, you know, being on the road, things like that. So, uh, I realized that, that Twitter, not everybody, uh, you know, follows Twitter. And as my 12 year old daughter tells me, Facebook is like an old person's yeah. So I'm trying to get with the times here and, and get on the gram and, and whatever else. I don't think I'm going to do the TikTok. I think I'm too old and bald and big for that. <laughs> that's that's what I keep saying. I'm like, eventually, guys, where do you get on TikTok? But that's that's never going to happen. Uh, by the way, you are at Jeremy Rutherford on Instagram. I just looked you up. So, well, I was, but then uh, I think I have two accounts going. The other one is like uh, Jay Rutherford at the Athletic STL. Or oh boy. Okay. Well, I yeah. I lied, folks. I'll find you. I'll uh, I'll put it I'll put it in the show. I'll make sure to uh, to let people know where they can find you, uh, Jeremy. Thank you. This is uh, it's always great talking to you. Always great catching up with you. And um, love having you on the show. We'll have you again over the summer when uh, when things aren't as hectic. And we really appreciate you coming on. 
Yeah, I just pulled up to the rink for this 8-1 Blues victory. <laughs> so uh, perfect timing. It made the uh, drive a lot, a lot quicker here. If that happens, if that happens, you realize you're coming on before every single show now. <laughs> if it happens, I'll be tweeting that you called it before the game started. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the game, and uh, good luck tonight, and good luck the rest of the season. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks, buddy. Do you like hockey? No, of course you do. Do you like beer? Of course you do. Are you 21? Let's hope so. If you answered yes to all of those questions, run on down to your local beer distributor and pick up a 2-4 of Old Arena Lager, the Beauty IPA, or any other delicious hockey-themed beer from Centerize Brewery. That's right, Centerize Brewery beer is available at various beer stores around town. So check around for the one closest to you. That's Centerize Brewery. Let's go Blues. All right, we are now joined by Jeremy Gover, a friend of the show, someone we've had. Actually, I was talking to him earlier, but uh, one of the first true guests of Let's Go Blues Radio back in the day. Uh, he's a Nashville correspondent for AP Radio, former locker room reporter for the Nashville Predators Radio Network, and temporary co-host of the Gold Standard Podcast on the 440 Sports Network. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Jeremy. How are you doing today? Jeff, I'm doing great, man. I hope you and your family are doing well. We are. We just got over the flu, so it, it was a little rough going there for a little while, but we're doing better now. Whoever thought we'd be in a world where we're thankful for the flu, you know? Yeah, that's what I said, is, is you know, like, my wife was complaining about it, and I go, you know, at least it's just the flu. And and then I right, thought, I right. literally just said, just the flu. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's <laughs> the world we live in, is that we're, we're thankful for the flu. That's right. Um, so tell me about, uh, real quick, before we get into the Nashville Predators, I want to talk to you about, uh, you're listed as a temporary co-host of the Gold <laughs> Standard Podcast. Uh, what yes. is that, and how can people find it? So if you go and you search on Twitter, well, follow on Twitter, 440 Sports, or you can follow me on, uh, it, it's Gover time, you can follow me, I just retweeted it actually this morning, so, um, our latest episode. I'm temporary, because Adam Vingan of The Athletic is actually the usual co-host, but he's on paternity leave, and so Braden Gall, the uh, longtime friend and radio colleague, uh, asked me to fill in for him while he was gone for these six weeks, and so... Uh, I'm the temporary co-host of the Gold Standard podcast. Very nice. Uh, so, what do you guys talk about over Gold Standard? Oh, I mean, just you know, breaking down the game and breaking down the you know, the looking ahead and how the how the friends are doing and how, you know what their schedules like. This latest episode, we talked about how uh, you know, obviously, the Philip Forsberg uh, trade speculation and what they should do, what they shouldn't do. That's pretty much a contractual obligation at this point because it's uh, it's just all you know, national. Everyone wants to talk about is whether Philip Forsberg is coming or st- or you know, going. But, uh, you know, this last episode, we talked about that. Of course, we talked about uh, how crazy it is to be a Predators fan right now because of how many season records and career records are are being flirted with. Okay, so Forsberg right now, of course, he has the, the rookie goal-scoring record uh, from way back in the day. You know, I think it was uh, numbers 26, I believe. He had 26 goals in his rookie year. And Tanner Janot, an undrafted free agent signee from a couple years ago, uh, has 18. And he's flirting with that. And, you know, so there's that one. And then there's uh, Paul Correa's points record, season points record of 85 points. Rowan Yosti, a defenseman, no less, is flirting with that one. So it's just a crazy time to be a Predators fan because you've got all these different records that are, uh, you know, that could fall in this one season. 
Yeah, you're pretty much hitting on everything I wanted to talk to you about. So first of all, let's talk about Philip Philip Forsberg. Uh, he's kind of been the uh, the I don't want to say exactly the face of Nashville because uh, you know you've got some pretty good goaltenders and defensemen there, but uh, kind of the face of the forwards for the last couple of years. Came out a couple weeks ago that uh, there are some talks for him to be traded. Uh, what do you know about that? And uh, do you expect him to be moved by the NHL trade deadline? Yeah, your boy Andy Strickland's one that reported that. That's that true. It was a shock to uh, to us, and we say that we uh, it's being natural. I say that because look, the bottom line is we, we've discussed this on the gold standard as well. But we, the the bottom line is a, a GM at this time of year not exploring his options is doing a disservice to his job, right? So it's the, I think the words actively shopping were the ones that caught everybody by you know off guard. But let's be real, okay? That for, for the, all the cards are in, are in Forsberg's camp. He holds them all. The only one he doesn't hold is that if the Preds sign him, or he gets traded, of course, then, they, then that team resigns him, is the extra year on the contract. That's it. He can get eight years from the Preds, not seven. And that's the only card that Nashville holds over Forsberg right now. If Forsberg goes to the market, he's getting $10 million. We'll tell you that right now. So now, again, because it only takes one. So everyone who's listening is like, wait a minute, how is a 65-point player getting $10 million? First of all, his talent is in the 75- to 80-point level. There's no question about that. Second of all, he's one of the more creative players in the game. If you're, if you're asking why he's a $10 million player, you haven't watched him very closely. Mm-hmm. And second of all, and second of all uh, it only takes one. Right, Arizona, I think, is losing like ninety percent. That's not a joke. Ninety percent of their roster after this summer, and so if they are, you know, want to kickstart their rebuild or whatever with some draft picks, which of course they have plenty of, and then you know maybe a guy like Philip Forsberg who's going to be twenty seven, twenty eight years old, going into his prime, right? I mean, you you could do worse, and they're going to have plenty of salary cap space to offer him ten million dollars a year. So I'm, I'm not saying he's going to go to Arizona because he probably wants to win a cup. But my point though is that it only takes one team, and uh, and that's that's why I say he's going to get ten. So if the Preds can get him around nine, let's call him nine, because I think they. Uh, I, God, I wish I could remember the source of this. I don't misquote it, but I'm paraphrasing. Somebody had said that the Poyle the Poyle would like to is not going to go over Roman Yossi's contract, so he won't go above that. I think his, and I think uh, again I'm making lunch, so my I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it's <laughs> nine point oh five nine. That's his number. Nine point oh five nine million a year. So. If Forsberg gets nine point oh five eight, then I think you have to. I think you've got to resign him for that. But I guess what I'm getting at is there's just a. It's just a crazy time right now. You have to shop him because you have to see what the baseline is, and you can't wait to do that until you know March twentieth. Or you can't. You can't wait till the eleventh hour to be like, okay, now I'm going to go shop him. It looks like it's not going to get done. No, you have to have a baseline ahead of time. Even if that baseline informs you on what you're willing to pay, because because maybe it changes in the summer, or on what you're willing to get, what you can get, right? Like, let's say you're like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna trade him. I'm you know I'm, I'm talking to David Poyle now. I'm gonna trade this guy. I'm gonna get a king's ransom for him, and then we're gonna you know we'll we'll, we'll jumpstart the rest you know, the future or whatever with it. Okay, so let's just say you're thinking that, and then you put out this feeler through Andy Strickland, because again, if you do it through Nashville, it looks like it could come from Poyle. If right. you do it in the national service, it looks like it's it's a little more a little too national, right? So I'm gonna go a little off center, and I'm gonna give it to Andy Strickland. Hmm. That's and again, that's just a theory. I'm not reporting that. So if Poyle is floating this this feeler out here, like, hey, I'm actively chopping him, teams get wind of that. That teams are going to be on board. Hey, let's, let's see what we can get. So, in that regard, you know, 
Toil is now getting a, a base. Okay, I can get this guy, this guy, and this guy, or this caliber player, this caliber player, their first round pick. Or the opposite. He puts the feelers out there, he gets a bunch of calls, and they're like, well, I'm not going to give you more than a second round pick. And he's like, all right, I might as well re-sign in then. Like, it, it, it informs the rest of the puzzle. And I think that's the thing that people are missing to this whole thing is Coyle ha- doesn't have any cards right now. Fordberg has them all. And putting a feeler out there like this to Andy Strickland and getting the kind of the ball rolling this early is not only necessary, but it informs the rest of the puzzle. That makes sense. Uh, so talking about Predators and, and trades they've made, so heading into the season, they made some pretty big headline trades, moved Ryan Ellis to Philly in a Nolan Patrick deal, then flipped him to Vegas for Cody Glass. Uh, Victor Arvidsson goes to the Kings for draft picks. I think people looked at those trades and said, what the hell is Nashville doing? Uh, but despite these moves, like you kind of alluded to earlier, they're having a surprising season to many. Uh, currently fourth in the Central. This is before their game uh, Thursday the 10th against Anaheim. Uh, currently fourth in the Central, 68 points. Uh, the way that they've played this season, and also considering their, their top goalie has retired, is this surprising to you? Did you expect them to have the season they're having? Well, that's a, a loaded question, right? Because uh, on one, well, because I don't mean loaded like it's, you're setting me up for failure. What I mean is loaded like there's there's more than one answer. The first answer is no. I was not. I did not expect them to have this kind of success. Okay, but the but the second part of the answer is yes, because as to where they are right now in the standings, which I believe again, I'm not looking. I'm making lunch. So we're, we're, I believe they're seventh in the in the West. They hold down that first wild card spot. And if that's the case, that is exactly where I picked them to be. <laughs> so it just depends on what, what angle you're coming at with the question, right? So, yes, I did predict them to take seventh when it's all said and done. and But, no, I did not expect them to have this kind of success. I did not expect Matthew Shane to be a point-per-game player. I did not expect Ryan Johansson to rebound and be basically a point-per-game player. I did not expect Philip Forsberg to have a career year, even though it was his contract year. I did not expect Roman Yossi to be flirting with Paul Curry's record. And I did not know... Well, although I thought, you know, we thought we knew what what UC Soros was between the pipes, but he's never played more than 40 games at any professional level, any AHL or NHL, never played more than 40 games. And so because of that, there was like this, well, let's just see, you know, if he can do the whole long-term grind thing and get, he's uh, spoiler alert. He's doing just fine. So, so there's, so I didn't expect all of those things. But I did pick them to take seventh when it was, you know, when the playoffs were all said and done. Now, obviously, there's a lot of hockey left, and they very clearly could not be seventh. They could be second, the way that everything's shaken out. They could also miss the playoffs entirely. So, a lot of playoff or a lot of hockey left. But yes, I did pick them to, to finish seventh in the, in the Western Conference. Well, there you go, um, man. Good. If you're going to be placing bets, you should be listening to the Gold Standard Podcast, apparently, because this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Matthew Shane a couple times, and, and he's kind of had a stigma that's followed him around in the NHL, kind of a not-winning atmosphere. You know, he goes to certain teams, and things just don't work out for him. Well, in Nashville, it started out that way, but he's having, like you said, quite the year. Right now, 52 games played, 51 points, 27 goals. Uh, what have you seen change in his game, and, and what's kind of brought it all together for him? I think, honestly, Mikhail Granlund is your answer. Hmm. Uh, he's skating alongside Mikhail Granlund, and Mikhail Granlund makes every he makes other players better, and uh, while being impressive himself, but not like you know, like you, you wouldn't. It, 
Okay, I was on the Gold Standard Podcast, the most recent one. I was listing off rapid fire. I said, I think the example was something like the stars are finally being the star players, like like Duchesne, right? And I started listing. Duchesne's having a good year. Yossi, you know, Johansson, Forsberg. I almost forgot. You actually can go back and listen. I actually was like, oh yeah, Mikael Grandel. Like, like, it was, <laughs> like even though he, he's having a great year and a great season, like back, like Harkins of those Minnesota Wild seasons that he had, the two back to back sixty nine point seasons or sixty eight, sixty nine point seasons he had. That's the kind of season he's having. And I almost forgot he was on the team, right? So it's he, he's a quiet. 65 point player, which is crazy to say, especially in this market where we, there are almost no 65 point players ever right. uh, in the history of the franchise. So you, ha- so you have guys that are playing well. Duchesne is one of them for once in a gold sweater. And I, and I don't mean to bag on him, but when they assigned him to the big free agent deal a couple of years ago, I wrote an article on thegamenashville.com, previous employer, that specifically said, this is great. He makes your team better. But let's also temper some expectations, okay? If you take all of his points and you look at his entire resume, NHL resume, he is a 48-point player. That's what he is. That would shock anybody, by the way, but that's exactly what he is. He's like he's, He averages 47.6 or whatever it was at the time, points per season. So why does he get all this praise? And why does he get all this, like, everyone's like, oh, he's so great. One, he was like a second or third overall pick in the draft. Two, he's Canadian. And he had a heck of a junior career. Okay, mm-hmm. three. His best years were his contract years. He had two seventy-point seasons in his career. Two, Jeff, and both of them came in contract years. So you put all those three things together, and that's that's gonna that's gonna create the buzz along around the league. Oh, this guy's awesome. He's gonna be the final piece. Blah blah blah. So the Preds go get him. But if you really look at it, he's a forty-seven-point player. Okay, so. Expectations need to be tempered. The problem with that contract is it's a great contract, and it was probably necessary because you know every contract, even ones that people complain about later, are all done in a moment, right? So they're all a snapshot of the market at the time. Okay, so like I mean, you talk to Preds fans now that have been around any length of time, and they'll still complain about Paul Gostad's contract, and you're like, okay, yeah, but he was, at the time they needed a, they needed a faceoff guy who was reliable. You know, like. It, that was what the market dictated, so you can't complain about that. So anyway, so back to Deshane. So Deshane gets this contract, and and that's what he. But that's the weight he's going to carry. Now he's an eight million dollar player, putting up forty points a season, which is oh, I don't know. Somebody could have warned him about that. That was me. Second of all, was that uh, the that's not good enough. Eight million for forty points is not good enough. Now we're seeing more of a regression, more of a I guess a progression. I guess it would be towards what he is supposed to be, which is a 55, 60 point player. That's what he should be on a, on a season in season out basis. And that's more in the $8 million range in today's NHL. And Oh, by the way, he's also a staple with Mikhail Granlund on the wing. And they, those guys are working really well together so much so that when they're, when the Preds and coach John Hines are trying to find a, uh, a combination that'll kind of get Ryan Johansson going. And again, I already said he's having a good season, which he is, but that my point is, is that they don't want to touch that line. Mm-hmm. Right, they don't want to touch the Grandlin and Duchesne line, and they don't want to touch what's called the herd line. And that's a long story. I'll, I'll leave that out for <laughs> sake of time. But the herd line is the fourth line, which is Colton Sissons, Tanner Janot, and Yakov Trenin. Okay, so they don't want to touch that line either because that line's got great chemistry. It's a tone setter, all that. So that leaves them essentially with three other forwards to try to pull with Johansson to get him some consistency. And so that's how good Duchesne's been. He's been, I think the difference has been Mikhail Granlund's consistency, and then they developed chemistry together. 
That's uh, well, well, that that will definitely do it. It sounds like there's a lot of chemistry going on in the Nashville system. Um, so you, uh, one last question about the roster itself, Roman Yossi, uh, you, again, a name you've mentioned a couple times, blues fans know him. I'm sure plenty hate him because he's just one of those guys that is going to shove it down your throat. He's just an excellent well, hockey player. But also, also Jeff, because he's so pretty. That's true. He is a pretty I mean, guy. He's, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a very, very handsome man. <laughs> that is true. I don't, hey, I got no beef with that. I don't either. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you this this straight up question: Roman Yossi in his prime, Shea Weber in his prime. What are you taking? I take Roman Yossi in today's NHL. Hmm. Okay, and I say that because you know years of years of yore, you needed that big strapping defenseman who was going to intimidate forwards coming into the zone and then blast guys left and right, right, and play solid defense and all that. Yossi. Does not blast guys, okay? They got, other, they got other guys that can do that. But he is solid defensively. He's not like an Eric Carlson, which is like, oh, he's all highlight reel. And then you see him in the defensive zone, you're like, what is he doing? Like, that's, <laughs> that's not what Roman Yossi is. Roman Yossi is a very solid defenseman. I put him probably in the top 10 defensive defenseman in the NHL, probably top, mm-hmm. 10, top 15, top 10, right, in his own zone. And then he makes, I mean, just tremendous plays left, right, and sideways. And then, of course, he can join the rush. He can drive the puck to the net. Uh, we see him do that. We, it's not just all shots from the blue line, by the way. If you haven't watched the Preds play very often, it's actually he will carry into the zone and either wrap around the back of the net to try to create some space for a forward to get to the front of the net or the slot or whatever, or he will think like he's going to do that and then crash the net himself. So he's not afraid of those dirty areas, I guess is what I'm getting at. He's, he's, he's willing to go into the hard areas to get a scoring chance, to get a puck rebound, to maybe create a scoring chance, whatever. And so not only do you have the crisp passes and you've got the power play quarterbacking, but you've got solid defensive play that's in the top echelon of the league. And then you've also got, of course, a point-per-game defenseman, which is pretty incredible. So in today's NHL, I pick Roman Yossi. If you asked me eight years ago, I probably would lean Shea Weber. Yep, I I agree with you. Shea Weber was uh, the last of that ilk of the uh, the big tough defenseman. Yes, what I am agree I? With that. And and Blues fans hated me because I used to sing his praises. I loved his game. He reminded me of Chris Pronger. And people are like, "You can't like him. He's a predator." I'm like, "But he's fucking awesome at his job. How can you not like him?" Yeah. When you when you, what, this is actually one thing that I hate about sports fandom. Actually, uh, and I say that in all sincerity. I truly hate it uh, when a fan <laughs> when a fan cannot remove their bias. Mm-hmm. This world would be a lot better off in sports, politics, society, whatever, if you remove your damn bias. Yep. Okay, if uh, there's nothing wrong with me saying I appreciate um, Barrett Jackman when he was with the Blues, I hated watching him as a fan. Mm-hmm. Right, because it was like he, he seemed to be dirty, you know. He was he he had these he, he kind of took things away from other guys, and I was like, well, this how is this guy playing the game? But that doesn't mean that I wasn't like, well, yeah, if he was on our team, like, that would be awesome. That guy's like, he, like he plays the game the right way, so therefore I respected his game. I just didn't like him. Mm-hmm. That's possible, people. You don't have to <laughs> like. There are plenty. Now, there are other. There are examples. It's a tangent. I won't get on. I'll, I'll cut myself short here. Just say that, like, I don't like how Brad Marchand plays the game. Right. I don't like how he plays the game. Corey Perry, same thing. I don't like how he plays the game. If he came to our team, so in this case, National Predators, or in your case, St. Louis Blues, I would, I would hate that. I don't, I don't, I don't want him anywhere. I don't want him wearing that jersey at all ever. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he's going to set a seventy-point guy. Don't want him. 
right? That's how much I hate him. And I don't like I just I do not respect how he plays the game and I do not like him as a player. Mm-hmm. So so that's one of those things where if you're like, well, yeah, if you're on your team, no, you're actually wrong. I don't, <laughs> would, would not want to watch it. But 99 times out of 100, I think you'd agree with this. If you take your damn glasses off and you go, okay, take my room, remove my fandom. Is he a good player? Is he not a good player? Is he respect, you know, whoever you're talking about. That's what you have to do. And I cannot stand it when fans can't do that. Yep. That drive, it can be both. You can like, to hate a player, you can hate a player because of how he plays or whatever, and also admit that he's a damn good player. That is very possible to do, and it actually should be done more, in my opinion. Sorry to go over a little uh, soapbox. No, we could go back and forth in this all day, because I say the same thing about Pecorine. I was always a big Rene fan. Blues fans just give me shit because he was a blues killer. And I'm like, but he's a great goalie. He's fun to yeah. watch. It can be both, everybody. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know. I don't know why you can't accept it's not we're not in a world of absolutes. Yep. Okay. Agree. I gotta pay bills. Does that mean I love paying bills? No, that does not mean I love paying bills. I hate paying bills. That's right. But I have to do it. And guess what? <laughs> That's the same with sports. If you like, you know, if you if you're the guy you hate the most is on your the opposing team, you're allowed to hate him. That's mm-hmm. fine. Yep. But that doesn't make him a bad hockey player. That's that right. Makes him a good hockey player that is obviously under your skin. Maybe you need to look in the mirror. So we're talking about uh, fandom. I got one more question for you before I let you go, sure. Jeremy. We're gonna we're gonna nerd it out here for a second. I know you're a nerd. I, love it. I, love it. I know. I know that you're a nerd like me. How excited are you for the Obi Wan Kenobi show? I'll just say that I've watched the trailer, the one that dropped yesterday, four times. Yeah, uh, which doesn't seem like a lot, but here's where I get you. I watch a channel called Screen Crush, and they break down trailers and give Easter eggs and all this kind of stuff. You know, whatever. It's the best one of the one. Like heavy spoilers, I can't stand. Cause, like I think he's hilarious. And he's horrible. Uh, he's not funny. I mean, you know, there's like other there's other channels that do this, but Screen Crush is the one that nails it almost every single time. And I've watched that. I watched it last night when I got home from my hockey game. I watched it back to back to back. That's how, <laughs> that's how excited I am about it. I watched an Easter egg video of which I saw everything and took all the information in, and I still watched it back to back to back at at midnight because I was so pumped. And I also say, and I'm sure you you may have saw this, but my first reaction on my public reaction on Twitter after I saw the drop, was the Duel of Fates. Yes. And I said that in my tweet. That's all I did. All caps, Duel of Fates. That's yep. all I said. Yep, I That's thought the same I thing. I'm so pumped. So excited. <laughs> yeah, when I heard the Duel of Fates play, I'm like, yes, yes, yeah. more yes. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Jeremy, uh, always good talking with you. I'll let you get back to, uh, well, I guess getting to eat your lunch that you've been making while we talk. <laughs> Uh, stirring it right now, yes. Great. Well, hey, man, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, real quick, let our listeners know if they're interested in more Nashville Predators news or talk from you, uh, where they can find you on social media and how they can listen to anything you uh, you, you record. Well, if you're willing to put aside your fandom, as we've <laughs> talked about, you can follow me at It's Govertime, G-O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, It's Govertime. And uh, you can, uh, if, if your local radio station subscribes to AP Radio and their sports packages and, and all that stuff, then you can hear my work on there as well. So, uh, but most of it goes to it's Gover time, and uh, I would love to have your follow because, as I just uh, told Jeff off air, uh, tw- uh, I got my account Gover time. Got I had sixty five hundred followers that I built up over thirteen years, twelve years I guess, and uh, it got hijacked by somebody in China or something. Mm. and Twitter was zero help. Mm. Uh, I was right on top of it. Like, I caught it within five minutes. 
I emailed them the screenshots and everything, and they, it was all automated. No one bothered to call, which I could have cleared it up in 10 seconds. If somebody had called me. Nobody wanted to call. No person actually wanted to check, you know, answer an email. And so I had to reinvent, I had to reinvent myself, unfortunately. <laughs> and I reinvented it at its go over time. So you can follow me at its go over time. And I would love to have your follow and rebuild that base. Yeah. I, uh, I'll admit, like I told you, I was, uh, I was trying to check you out on Twitter and, and trying to, you know, kind of figure out exactly what you're doing. And so I could give you the proper title. And I'm like, I'm not following him. What kind of a dick am I? And then you yeah, told me that story. I'm like, okay. It happens when you, uh, when you get hijacked and you can't get it back. So. Yeah, right. Awesome. Jeremy, thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, yeah, it should be a fun game on Saturday. Looking forward to it. All right, Jeff. Enjoy matinee hockey, sir. Yes, you too. And we're back from break. And I welcome in Drew Mendel, host of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and the Legal Curve Post Game Show over at illegalcurve.com. That's illegalcurve.com, in case you misheard me. And uh, they are a big Winnipeg Jets uh, website, podcast, great blog, uh, stuff I've read over the years. And uh, he is joining me today. So, Drew, thank you very much for coming on the show. My pleasure, Jeff. Thanks so much for the invite. Appreciate it. Of course. Uh, well, uh, let's get right into it because uh, we are, we are at intermission of your team's game on a uh, Thursday night and the blues just went up two nothing in, uh, in the blues versus Rangers game. Actually, they don't have three nothing. Holy cow. Uh, so, uh, the jets are currently seven points out of a wild card spot. And now that's obviously probably going to change by the time this airs on Friday morning, but, uh, Edmonton, Vancouver, Anaheim are all teams that you're probably looking to climb over at this point. Uh, in your opinion, uh, do you think that they stand a pretty good shot this this far out uh, this uh, at this point in the season? Uh, a good shot to make the playoffs? No, I wouldn't go that far at all. They have been woefully inconsistent all year for a team that had Stanley Cup aspirations uh, in the offseason and were sort of the popular choice for a team to get back uh, to be in the upper echelon of the Western Conference. Uh, the Jets have underperformed all season long. And that has certainly been their their bugaboo all year. Is that a team that has at times looked very good, at times beaten some very good teams, has also at times looked absolutely listless and awful and lost to some of the bottom feeders in the NHL. The Jets have lost to the Arizonas. They've lost to the Buffaloes. They've lost to the Islanders. They've lost to the Blackhawks. Just when you think that they might be turning the corner and getting better, they have a loss that just leaves you scratching your head they have been woefully inconsistent all season long. Uh, so I, I know early in the season, or at least even before the season started, predictions had Winnipeg finishing atop the central in the first, second, or third spot. So I'm guessing you right now are counting this season as a pretty big disappointment. Uh, what do you expect coming at the trade deadline? I, I I would expect that if the Jets are being realistic with where they are at, and they should be, because even if they were to sneak into the playoffs, the first round matchup would likely be against the juggernaut Colorado Avalanche, and that would be as one-sided as one-sided gets. So the Jets should be trying to trade uh, any and all assets uh, that are that would come due at the at the trade deadline. Guys like Andrew Kopp uh, is a pending unrestricted free agent and should be very popular at the trade deadline. A guy that you're very familiar with in St. Louis, Paul Stasny. He's having a great year for the Jets. Uh, I believe he's up to 17 or 18 goals now uh, on the season. He sh he's an unrestricted free agent at season's end. You should be able to see what you can get for Paul Stasny. 
basically the Jets should have a for sale sign up 11 days from now when the trade deadline uh, takes place. Uh, you know, and that's even that's even if they go on a run over the next week or so, because a run at this point in time, it's probably going to be too little too late or at the very best, if they go on an incredible run, they sneak into the second wildcard spot. And as I mentioned, they meet the juggernaut Colorado Avalanche. And that's not going to be a matchup that's uh, faint. That's for the faint of heart. Blues fans can tell you how awful it is to meet the Avalanche in the first round. It's uh, <laughs> it's not fun. I'll tell yeah. you that. I know Jordan Binnington did not have a lot of fun with that. Um, so you mentioned Paul Stastny, St. Louis and uh, former Blue, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his second go-around with the Jets. Now, you said he might get traded, but how has he at least been received uh, the second go-around? And has he uh, kind of warmed his way into fans' hearts? You know, Paul Stastny is the consummate professional. You know, he's certainly not the same player that he was, you know, in his prime, He's a step slower, obviously, but he's got the smarts and he's just you, you watch him play and you can see the intelligence at work shift after shift, you know, knowing how to get into the soft areas of the ice, knowing how to just give himself some some, some time and some space when, you know, when when it might not uh, appear there for a lot of other players. He, he's if you, if you want to turn if you want to talk about intelligence he's up there with some of the smartest players you're going to see and he's been tremendously effective for the jets i mean don't get me wrong this isn't a guy just playing out the string you know he's going to set he's going to have his most goals this year than he's had and i think we looked at it on our show uh uh, earlier in the week, he's going to have the most goals he's had in maybe the last eight or nine years this season for the Jets. He's been effective still. He's playing on the line with Shifley and Wheeler, and the three of them have some very good chemistry. So, I mean, you know, if if, if you want to make an argument that the Jets should bring back Paul Stasny at a similar salary to what he's getting this year, I probably have time for that argument. I could listen to that argument. But unless he's going to sign that that extension uh, between now and the trade deadline, your only choice is to deal him at the deadline for whatever you can get. And given his performance this year, you can probably get more than you maybe would have expected at the beginning of the season. So talking about trades, one that uh, was kind of one that, that fans have uh, kind of watched more closely, I think, in terms of NHL fans. A couple of years ago, we saw the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade for Patrick Laine. Um, I think at first, some people, maybe outside of Winnipeg, were, you know, really, they're, they're going to move line A? But uh, I think Dubois has settled in pretty well as a Winnipeg Jet, at, at least from the outside looking in. Would you agree with that statement? He's been a beast this year for the Jets. He's been everything that they wanted to acquire when they made that blockbuster trade. Uh, last year was a write-off for him, almost like it was for Patrick Laine in Columbus. You know, when you factor in COVID, you factor in the quarantine, you factor in he got injured relatively early on. It was a bad season for Pierre-Luc Dubois, and he'd be the first to tell you that. He's been terrific for the Jets this year. Where You know, this team is out of the playoffs, but where they would be without uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is even worse. I, I believe, now this is just, you know, my opinion, that the Jets would be well off this offseason trying to transition the captaincy from Blake Wheeler to Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, the time for Wheeler as the captain, I believe, has run its course. Uh, it's just, you know, he he he's not going anywhere because his contract is is basically untradeable. 
And so it would be very similar to what the uh, San Jose Sharks did a number of years ago, where they transitioned the captaincy from Joe Thornton to, I believe it was Joe Pavelski, if I recall correctly. The Jets would be wise to do something similar where uh, they transition it from Wheeler to Dubois because he has been the heartbeat of this Jets team this season. The number of games where he's been he hasn't had a significant impact are few and far between. He's been tremendous for the Jets this year, as I'm repeating myself. So step into uh, the GM role here for the Winnipeg Jets. You already say basically you want to, you know, sell as much as you can and, and kind of build a little bit more. What are the Jets looking to improve on? And uh, do you see a rebuild? Do you see just kind of one of those retooling on the flies? Uh, Retooling on the flies. I mean, the Jets, you know, when they, this offseason, everyone's, you know, was celebrated because they went and they got Nate Schmidt and they got Brendan Dillon and they thought, okay, they've shored up the defense. They've improved the defense because that's been the Achilles heel for the team since uh, the dust, since Dustin Bufflin retired or his contract was terminated and then he retired and then Truba left and Myers left. The defense had been the Achilles heel this year. They go out to get Schmidt and Dylan the defense is supposed to be improved, but what they've actually done is they've created a bit of a log jam for some of their young up and coming defense prospects. Cause that's where the jets are richest in terms of, you know, coming up through the AHL right now is they have a number of defensive prospects who are, uh, I would say, ready to step into the NHL lineup. Guys like Vili Hainala, guys like Dylan Sandberg. And now they've got sort of six defensemen under contract, uh, you know, with the the core six that they have right now. That makes you wonder, are they going to try and ship out a Brendan Dillon? Are they going to try and ship out a Nate Schmidt? Are they going to try and ship out somebody else? Uh, You know, so that's an area of concern for the Jets, certainly. But it's the scoring. It's the five-on-five scoring for the Jets that has been a real problem this year. If you look at the NA, if you look at the numbers, the Jets are in the bottom third of the league in terms of goals for at five-on-five. Now their expected goals for is a lot higher. If you look at their expected goals for, they're actually close to top ten, but they haven't been able to deposit the puck in the net this year. So I would look for the Jets to try and do something to get some more uh, help in terms of the offensive depth. They need to be able to get more from their third line. They need to be able to get more from their fourth line, particularly if Andrew Kopp is no longer a member of the Jets next year, as most people expect. So it's going to be a very interesting offseason. And I think a big question is, who is the new head coach of the Winnipeg Jets if it's not Dave Lowry? Because he's only been there on an interim basis and nobody, I think, has been, nobody has been overwhelmingly impressed by his performance. And then does Kevin Dayoff still have the role as general manager because it's now been going on over a decade and the Jets have grand total of two playoff series wins to speak for in those 11 or so years. I just realized as we're talking what jersey I am wearing. Ah, Thrasher's jersey. And, yeah, <laughs> very fitting. That's, on. that's all I don't, I don't know. very fitting. How how great is that? Yeah, it's what it's actually one of my favorite jerseys. It's uh, nothing against Winnipeg, but uh <laughs> don't worry. what what do you think of the Thrasher's jerseys? It's a sharp jersey. Look, you got a nice yeah. color scheme going on there. They looked good on the ice in terms of what they wore, and that's basically where it ended, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, wow, this is uh, this has been very insightful, Drew. You got the uh, the Blues coming in on Sunday. Obviously, both teams have some games to play before that. But uh, when the Blues come to town, what do you look for? Look, these are two teams that know each other very well. This is a these are two you know Central Division opponents who don't like each other and have familiarity with each other. Should be a good game. Last time the Jets and the Blues played, I believe 
was, uh, I think it was January. It was a, a Saturday afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. Eric mm-hmm. Comrie went into St. Louis and he absolutely stoned uh, the Blues. The Jets need victories. If they're going to have a sniff at the playoffs, they need to rattle off victories. It'll be three in four nights for the for the Jets when they face the Blues on Sunday evening. They're in New Jersey tonight. They have they have the Islanders tomorrow, but you know they need they need the victory. It's that simple. I mean, there's no there's no excuse for fatigue. There's no excuse for three and four nights or four and six nights or all that jazz. The ship has sailed on that. So the Jets are desperate. And anytime a desperate team is playing, it usually can make for some entertaining hockey. I agree with that. Well, this was Drew Mendel, host of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and Illegal Curve Post Game Show. Uh, so uh, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners, if anybody's interested in maybe even after the Blues-Jets game or any yeah. other game the Jets play, uh, how can they hear you and where do they find your show? Okay, so we are a live YouTube broadcast. Uh, each and after each and every Winnipeg Jets game. So when the final buzzer sounds, you can head on over to our YouTube page. Just search for Illegal Curve Hockey on YouTube. You'll find it right there. We do that after each and every Winnipeg Jets game. We also have our weekly show Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Time back on our YouTube page. Everything is podcasted, so be sure to download our podcast. All the information available on our website, IllegalCurve.com, and at IllegalCurve on all of the social medias. And if you want to follow me personally, I'm on Twitter, at ICDrew. Awesome. Well, I'll say as a uh, representative of St. Louis and a fan of blues hockey, uh, I love Winnipeg Jets fans. The picture of uh, Tarasenko in the pink, uh, that's one of my favorite signs I've ever seen. Uh, The Katy Perry chants for Corey Perry. I mean, you guys are just so much fun. I love when you guys came back into the division. It was very exciting in St. Louis. We all said, yes, those Winnipeg crazy people are back. That's so right. we love having you, and uh, and thank you very much for coming on the show and, and looking forward to the game on Sunday. Appreciate the invite, Jeff. I should mention for Blues fans, Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us on Saturday morning to preview the Jets and the Blues as well. I believe he's coming up on your program as well. So Jeremy will be on our show as well uh, on Saturday morning, so 9 a.m. on our YouTube channel. Jeremy is going to be on the same episode as you. So there you, uh, go. There you go. Wow, what a, what a little tie-in there. Beautiful. awesome well thanks a lot drew i appreciate it and uh should be a good game sunday yeah thanks for it jeff looking forward to doing it anytime well there you have it folks there was the episode uh thank you very much for tuning in i hope you enjoyed all the interviews again your weekend primer getting you ready for the predators and jets um and a lot of lot of jeremy's in this episode so uh there was definitely some jeremy spoken going on uh, my metalheads might uh, understand that reference. Um, but uh, thank you very much for tuning in. So support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you in part by ID Life, the world's only truly personalized vitamin platform based on a health assessment of your DNA. Visit rockinthatidlife.com for more information. That's rockinthatidlife.com. And make sure you get uh, your 10% off by emailing Dustin at rockinthatidlife at gmail.com. And tell them Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. So that's Dustin at rockinthatidlife.com. Uh, and by Centerize Brewery, which provides drinks brewed in our fair city and is available throughout the city at numerous grocery stores, lo- liquor stores, and bars, including at Enterprise Center. And on the Missouri side, they're all over the county, too. So make sure you're checking out the Friar Tucks. Uh, they're all over. Uh, go over to centerizebrewery.com. 
You can find out where their beer is at uh, on their website and go pick yourself up some for this fun weekend coming up with some afternoon hockey. Uh, that will do it for episode 26 of season 10 of the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. Thanks for listening, and we will be back with a live show next week. Uh, for Kurt Price and Bill Day, I'm Jeff Ponder. Enjoy the Central Division matchups this weekend. This was Let's Go Blues Radio. Until next time, everyone, let's go blues. Beat the Preds. Beat the Jets. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. I want you to have a heart attack and die so that we never have to do this shit again. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues, St. Louis Blues, have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun, they're on their way to number one, now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The Blues are on the ice tonight again. Rough and tough and got the stuff to win They'll always get one more No matter what the score They are quite a hockey team, my friend They never give a single goal away And the Blue Bay, they are champions every day Cause when it's said and done They'll have them on the run These old St. Louis Blues are here to stay St. Louis Blues St. Louis Blues, have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun, they're on their way to...